Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 26 and 27. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Hi, everybody. Welcome to tonight and our discussion of Genesis chapters 26 and 27. Just to refresh your memory, remember Abraham's servant met Rebecca at the well. He was sent to find a wife for Isaac, and she was extremely generous, kind, and very, very hardworking. She watered all those camels, remember? And then you remember Uncle Laban, Rebecca's brother. He liked gold, lots of gold, gold rings and bracelets, and he wanted to hold out even longer to maybe even get a better price, a better dowry for this bride. But Rebecca agreed to go immediately. And then the couple has 20 years of infertility. But then God answers Isaac's prayers and Rebecca was pregnant. And if you remember, the children were struggling within her womb and she said, if this is why, if this is thus, why do I live? And and she went to inquire of the Lord, of Isaac's God. And she got a prophecy from the Lord that she never forgot. It was clear as a bell to her. And this is what she heard from the Lord. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. We see this prophecy coming true tonight. The elder shall serve the younger. Esau was first born. Remember, his name means hairy or ruddy. And then came Jacob. And Jacob, from that first moment, trying to hold on to his brother's foot, trying to supplant the birth order. And his name was Yaakov, deceiver, Jacob, the supplanter. He will supplant, not in this case, but he will tonight. We'll see two supplantings that he does. Uh, But he's not able to supplant the birth order. Esau got out first and is the older son. Jacob will be successful at supplanting both the birthright and tonight the father's blessing. The two brothers couldn't have been more different. Esau was a rugged outdoorsman. He loved to hunt. He was sporty. He he was uh, out in the fields. Jacob stayed closer to the tents. He was smooth-skinned. And when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. Jacob, a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau, and he loved to eat the catch that he would bring home. Rebecca loved the other son, Jacob. Is it a good idea for parents to have favorites? Do you have a favorite? Come on, come on, Mayor. Is it a good idea for grandparents to have favorites? This is never good, you guys. This is never good. If you have a favorite, don't let on, right? Everyone's your favorite. Jacob and Esau, the two brothers that were so different. And we saw last week that very, very, very expensive bowl of soup. He sells his birthright. He's famished. He's famished. He comes in from hunting Esau. He's got to have food. He's got to have it now. That carnal, mm, he's got to have it. And Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. First sell me your birthright. He does it. He sells him his birthright. He gives him the bowl of soup. And we saw that extreme spiritual sloth that Esau had. He could care less about his birthright. It's so far away. It's so eternal. He wants to hear it now. The car is hungry. So Esau would rather fulfill immediate temporal 
carnal needs than to address that further future spiritual reality. The birthright is twofold. First, it includes a double portion of the father's inheritance, double of everything he has. Second, it included a ceremonial special blessing from the father. That blessing is irrevocable once it goes out. So time passes, and tonight we see there was a famine, a great famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. This is a different famine. That was a different generation. This is Isaac's generation. It's a new famine. When Abraham was faced with a famine. They went down to Egypt to sojourn there because the famine was so severe in the land. They would have died had they not gone to Egypt. There's another famine now for Isaac. Why would Abraham have gone to Egypt? Because Egypt was the breadbasket of the ancient world. Every spring, you could depend on wheat being in Egypt. Every spring, waters would overflow the banks of the Nile River, making the silt along the Nile rich and fertile when those waters flowed back. Uh, It's called the the, um, Nile Delta region, and farmers would grow crops along the Nile. Uh, In the Delta region there, you could always depend on wheat. So everyone, when food is wiped out, you go to Egypt. Of course, you're foreigners, you're sojourners. You don't belong there. You don't speak the language. You don't, you look different. You don't know the people. But when you have famine in your land, you will die. You have to do something for your famine or for your family. They will either be dehydrated or have nothing to eat and they will die. So there's not a lot of choice. They have to go to Egypt. This is what their land looks like. And you know what an essential water is to any culture at anytime we've got to have water. And it also goes way back, people fighting over water rights. This is nothing new. Animals, livestock need water. People need water. You need water to cook. Machinery needs water. Everything, cleaning, hygiene, everything needs water. Even today and around the world, like in Texas, uh, corporations are increasingly competing for rights to the most precious liquid asset we have, and that's water. California, they're always fighting over water. You can water your things, you you know, just... It's always a fight. You might remember in 1934 when Arizona actually declared war on California at Parker Dam because uh, Arizona people were claiming that California's aggressive seizure of the Colorado River was taking their water. Their Arizona water was going to California. Remember that? So disputes over water rights are nothing new. It's complicated. It's critical because we got to have water. Um, Even this is a cartoon about the UN summit, but the human right to water and you have the poor nations with just a few trickles dripping out versus the water markets of the rich in the private sector, their water's gushing out. So it's a very complicated issue. Water rights have been around for a long time. And when there is famine, (laughs) you gotta go. So Isaac went to Greer tonight to Ambimelech, the king of the Philistines. Now this is when Hebrews and Philistines used to get along. Later in the Bible, we'll see Goliath, the Philistine that David uh, fights against. But for now, they're getting along. The Lord appeared to him and said to Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. Well, there's famine. We got to go to Egypt. That's where you go for bread. We got to go to Egypt. Do not go down to Egypt. God is protecting Isaac. 
He doesn't want him leaving the Holy Land. Don't go to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you, you and your descendants. I will give all these lands, and I will fulfill the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in themselves because Abraham did what? He obeyed my voice. Abraham obeyed my voice. He kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God likes obedience. God loves obedience. Abraham heard his voice and he obeyed his voice. There weren't the Ten Commandments yet, but Abraham has a prayer life. He knows what God's commanding of him. He knows God's statutes. He knows God's laws, and he obeys them. And God will always, in the Bible, always bless obedience. Jesus Christ was obedient even unto death on a cross. He obeyed the Father in every single thing the Father asked him to do. Now, so Isaac the obedient son, who's a typology of Jesus, dwells in Griar. The men of the palace ask him about his wife. And he says, oh, she is my sister, right? That's what he heard his father Abraham say. She's my sister, for he feared to say she's my wife, thinking lest the men of the palace will kill me for the sake of Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. Sarai was also fair to look upon. Remember, she was beautiful. Well, why is this that the king, okay, you think of this, it's famine, you have no food, you're bringing all your foreign company into another land. Do they want to give you food? No, there's they have their own people to feed and all different nations are coming here for food and they have women and the number one thing you need in time of famine is what fertility you need fertility you need water but you also need fertility because you're in danger of dying out your culture will die out if everyone starves to death at, at you you won't produce and you will die out as a culture. So when Abraham went to Egypt, we know that same thing happened. They're about to enter Egypt and he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a woman beautiful to behold. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. They would let her live because she can produce offspring and they can assimilate those offspring into their own culture and they can continue on as a culture and they can thrive and they can grow. So they would use wives, even foreign women, if they were unattached. If you're married, you're no good to me because you're taken. So they could kill both the couple. But if it's just a single woman, she would be very useful for fertility. It's the biggest gift we have. Say you're my sister, that'll go well with me because of you and my life might be spared on your account. So in time of famine, the most important thing is fertility. And God is the God of life throughout the entire Bible. Cultures that can't reproduce become extinct. And so they would use the women for fertility purposes. So it's a little more complicated than just lying. So Isaac dwells in Griar. The Lord has instructed Isaac not to go into Egypt, even with famine. And Isaac obeys the Lord. Isaac is the one patriarch that will never, ever leave the Holy Land. And, and that's interesting because we have a type and an anti-type between Isaac and Jesus Christ, right? The anti-type is always greater than the type. Isaac is a type of Jesus. We saw that in Genesis 22. Isaac will never, 
ever leave the promised land. The antitype Jesus will leave the promised land of heaven, the eternal promised land at the right hand of the Father. He will leave for 33 and a half years. Why? To come to earth and be the final lamb of God for us. When the men of the palace or the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the man of the palace will kill me for the sake of Rebecca because she was fair to look upon. And when he had been there a long time, they've been dwelling here now a long time because of this famine, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looks out the window and he sees Isaac fondling his sister, his wife. He figures it out. They're married. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, because I thought lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lied with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall be put to death. So now they have an extra hedge of protection around them from the king of the Philistines and Bimelech. Now they are really protected. So God has had his sovereign way in protecting Isaac and Abimelech fears the Lord. He fears Abram's and Isaac's God. This God is amazing. And Isaac gets to sow in the land. He sows in the land and he reaps in the same year a hundredfold. Now you guys, this is when there's severe famine. This is when there's severe famine. The God of Isaac blesses him with a hundredfold. That means you plant a seed and you get a hundred times more back for it. Uh, so that everyone around, you know, this is, they're in a severe famine. And Isaac has been blessed by his God with a hundredfold for his crops. Everyone notices this. Everyone. Here's what their crops look like. And here's what Isaac's crops look like. In time of famine, who is his God? The Lord blessed Isaac and the man became rich, very rich. He gained more and more until he became very wealthy, just like his father Abraham had been very wealthy. And he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household so that the Philistines did what? They envied him. Uh-oh. Envy. Uh-oh. God is blessing Isaac for his obedience of faith. He's blessing him, prospering him a hundredfold. And the Philistines now have great envy great envy. Envy is one of the seven deadlies, right? Deadly. Uh, it enters the world, it says in Wisdom 2, it was by envy of the devil that death entered the world, and all who are allied with him, with Satan, experience death. So those who are allied with Satan experience envy. Envy leads to death, and the Philistines are green with envy when they look at Isaac's crops. So out of envy, you know what they're going to do? stop his water supply. That's the one thing they know to do. Stop his water supply. And in the Middle East, when you stop water supply, it's death. The Philistines had stopped and filled the earth of all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. So they're going and filling in with dirt all of Abraham's wells that now Isaac is in charge of. And Abimelech says to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are wait a minute. Now he wants to send him away. Now he wants Isaac gone. He said he could stay here and now he wants him gone. Why? What is King Abimelech afraid of? He knows his God's powerful and he knows just like the Pharaoh of Egypt knew that the Hebrews are very prolific. 
God is blessing them. Just like the crops are multiplying a hundredfold, the people are multiplying a hundredfold. And they're growing and they're overtaking Abimelech and his Philistines. And so he says, go away from us. You are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and he encamped in the valley of Gerir and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father. The Philistines had stopped them. After the death of Abraham, he gave them the names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of springing water, the herdsmen of Gerir quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, this water's ours. So they're fighting over water rights. Way back then, Isaac called the name of the well Isaac, and because they contended with him. They dug another well, they quarreled over that one also, and he called that well Sitna. Isaac moved from there and dug another well, and over that they did not quarrel. And he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Now there's enough water for everyone. They've moved far enough away. They've dug this new well. So Esek in Hebrew means dispute or contention, the first well. Second well, Sitna, means extreme hatred. And Robahoth, the third, means open spaces. Now there's enough room. The water rights uh, continue, the fight. To this day, water rights are an obstacle to Arab-Israeli peace in this very day in the Middle East. Uh, this is from Al Jazeera News in Palestine. Palestine. Water is used as a tool to dominate the Palestinians. Israel deliberately denies Palestinians control over their water sources and sets the ground for water domination. And you can see, like in Area C, in, under Israeli administrative and military control, 180 Palestinian communities are not connected to the water network and vulnerable Palestinian households spend up to one fifth of their salary on water. 20% of your paycheck going for water. And the Israelis, uh, uh, this is typical um, how much water each person in the West Bank has access to per day. Israelis get 200 40 to 300 liters per day, whereas Palestinians in the West Bank get 73 liters a day for their entire family. So it's a problem. It still is a problem. They have built on their roofs water cisterns that collect every drop of rainwater. Every drop is spared. Sometimes they shut it off. You don't know it, you're taking a shower and the water goes off. Then it comes back on two days later, then it's off again. You, you just don't know. We talked to some people in the West Bank by Jacob's Well that told us about this. They said they don't want the tour buses to know about this part. So from there, Isaac went up to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. How many times have we heard this blessing that he will multiply Abram's descendants. Isaac hears it again. So Isaac built there an altar. He called upon the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there and he had his servants dig a well. And Bimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahusath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and you have sent me away from you? And they said, we see plainly 
that the Lord is with you. And so we say, let there be an oath between you and us and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. So now they want to be friends. They're seeing how powerful Isaac is, how much his God has blessed him, how fruitful he is, how he's multiplying, how they're prolific, they're overtaken, and now they want to be friends. Okay. Because they see you are now the blessed of the Lord. They see even the secular rulers can notice how powerful the God of Israel is. So God's hand is on Isaac. He is the son of Abram. You are now blessed of the Lord. And so they made a feast. They ate, they drank. In the morning they rose. They took an oath with one another. Isaac sent them on their way. They departed in peace. The same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well, which they had dug. And they said, we have found water. God has blessed them again. Now we move on to Genesis 26. And we see that Esau has taken Hittite wives. Now Esau's Hebrew. He's the son of Isaac. Why is he taking Hittite wives? This is not allowed. Esau is 40 years old. He takes the wife, Judith, the Hittite wife, as well as Basemeth the daughter of Elon the Hittite. So he's not, he's taking plural wives. He's taking non-Hebrew wives. And remember Esau likes carnal pleasure and he lives for the here and now, not the eternal. He's spiritually slothful and he likes the Hittite wives, but his mother does not. The Hittite wives have made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So in their old age, he's taken wives that they do not approve of from another nation, They are not Hebrews, and they are making life very difficult for his parents. That's not honoring your parents. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, Isaac called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. And Isaac said, behold, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me savory food such as that I love. He has a little carnal in him too. And bring it to me that I might eat, that I might bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to her son Esau. So when Esau went out into the field to hunt for game and to bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, remember he's the favorite one, the one Rebecca loves. I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me savory food that I might eat it and bless you before the Lord, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my word as I command. This is his mother telling her son to obey her. Go to the flock, fetch me two good kids that I might prepare them, savory food for your father, the way he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Now, Rebecca must have remembered those words the Lord told her so clearly years and years and years and years ago when she was pregnant with these two twins. Remember what was told to her? That the elder will serve the younger. Who's the younger? Jacob. He was not able to get out first. And she knows that. She knows that the blessing is on the younger son. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father's going to fill me and, and, and I, I, it'll seem like I'm mocking him. And I might bring 
a curse upon myself, not a blessing. So he tells his mom, mom, this plan could really backfire. I mean, I, I, I could get cursed and curse is death. Woe to me, curse is a death. This could not work, mom. And she says, his mother says to him, upon me be your curse, my son. She is willing to take on the curse of death herself for this plan that she has cooked up, literally. And obey my word and go fetch them to me. The elder shall serve the younger. The elder shall serve the younger. She knows the Lord has said this and she can help the Lord with his plan, right? Remember when Jacob's grandmother, Sarai, thought she could help God along with his plan and she brought Hagar right into the bed? Remember? Women are really good at this, helping God along with his plan. <laughs> Aren't we girls? We have all sorts of ideas for him, especially where our husbands and children are concerned. I can think of a lot of ideas I could help him along quite handily. So Jacob went and took them the, the kids, the kid goats, he brought them to his mother and his mother prepared savory food such that his father loved. And she knew the right recipe. She knew exactly what he loved. She broke bread as well. Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house. She put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the kids. She put them on his hands and upon the smooth part of his neck. She thought of everything, even the furry arms, the furry hands. And she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her favorite son, Jacob. And so he went into his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn son. I am Esau, your firstborn son. It's an absolute bald-faced lie. Couldn't be any more of a lie than this. And I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that you might bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He's questioning this. Usually it takes time to go hunt, to get it, to clean it, to fix it. To, this has happened way too fast. He answered, because the Lord, your God, has granted me success. Because the Lord, your God, has granted me success. And notice he doesn't say the Lord, my God. He says the Lord, your God. And it's another absolute lie. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near, that I may fill you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. He's still not quite sure. Something is just a little off. And he's trying to figure it out. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him. Ah. And Isaac said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Oh. And he did not recognize him. Rebecca had done a very good job sewing those lamb skin hand coverings and neck covering because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And so he blessed him. Now the father's blessing is absolutely irrevocable. You cannot take it back ever. Once it goes out, it's gone. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Hmm. <laughs> then 
he said, bring it to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. So here again, carnal satisfaction came first. The eating, the drinking, drinking alcohol, drinking wine, eating and drinking. The human needs came before the spiritual reality of what was going to be released with the irrevocable father's blessing. It's a spiritual blessing to be in the covenant of Abraham, to be fallen before being redeemed. Humanity over spirituality. That was part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 26 and 27, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.